does that go cringe in the other room? So I'm sure that's an interesting conversation that they're having. <laughs> I can't hear it at all. Well, good. You can hear him in the background during editing. Just take out his high-pitched cringing, I guess. <laughs> oh, perfect. I'll put it in the end like I did that other one that you did. Just an opinion. It's just my opinion. But hello. Hello. It's been an eventful week. Oh, my God. And now we're at the end of it. And I think that we have to preface episodes now saying that in the future, I guess sometimes when we talk, it might be a little bit outdated because mm. we, in preparation of me having my baby, are going to be recording some episodes. And so probably in October-ish, we might be talking about something that has already happened or is a little bit behind if we talk about something personal. I know some podcasts that do like pre-record regularly and they sometimes sound like about three weeks to a month behind. Mm. So now we can put like a little asterisk, asterisk something on the description just to let y'all know. Yeah. Because Kristen's going on maternity leave. It's coming around the bend. But this week won't be any different. I think this is coming going out on the regular Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So, and in theory, um, they should all come out on Tuesday. Yes. In theory. We'll see. Um, once we make our millions and i can hire a sound engineer you know we'll do it but right now y'all are stuck with me which you're doing a great job oh well thank you 10 out of 10 but for now everything is very current you know we got donald trump's mugshot (laughs) hurricanes coming towards florida just normal things the entire west coast is on fire yeah. Everything is business as usual. And by the way, this is Haunted or Hoax. <laughs> yes, and I'm Kristen. I'm Jennifer. <laughs> and we are not in the U.S. this week for our story. We aren't. We are in the U.K. We are in Essex. And we're discussing the Borley Rectory, mm-hmm. which is something I listed because it is historically, supposedly, the most haunted place in the uk and Put it on the map yes and it was also featured in uh kate winkler dawson's book the ghost club which i have mentioned before i highly recommend listening on audiobook to that i actually did listen to this book it was very good and i was like well you know what she goes more into harry price and some of the figures behind uh the Society for Psychical Research Mm -hmm. and the original Ghost Club, but she does have some information about the Borley Rectory and like that's kind of how it kind of got centered around with SPR. So that would be fun to do. It certainly has its stories. I know, (laughs) which I think is interesting to talk about um, because getting just getting right into it, this is a Gothic style rectory. Uh, that has been supposedly haunted ever since it was built and the paranormal events go back to 1863 old ghosts old ghosts old hauntings and like old like accounts which i we don't really get a lot Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go through the stories i'm not gonna have pretty much like any evidence to really show you because it's just it's like more like just old really classic ghost story type things yeah it kind of gave me like the vibes of the uh leap castle leap castle yes yeah yeah and i don't know this kind of like reading about these like incidences and hauntings and everything it's like a cozy feeling so if you're looking for like a cozy kind of ghost story i feel like this week is like a good one where you're not like we're we're in pumpkin spice season we're we're like we're forcing fall onto everything so (laughs) this cozy story is for you sarah (laughs) it's just breaking open this (laughs) but i wanted to go over a few of the like overview things of what's going that what that supposedly was going on at borley rectory and then i kind of will get into some of the more detailed accounts and most of this 
is thanks to Harry Price. I'm not going to go really into his history or detail. I figured that you would probably go over most of that, but he was like the guy who investigated a lot of this. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the Zach Biggins of his time, I would That's say. That's a solid way to put it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but the haunts included a tall stranger in a top hat who reportedly paid bedside calls to parlor maids. A, there was an, also like a shadow figure of like kind of like a prowler-like person without a hat and without a head. Oh. Yeah. And then a phantom coach that ra- that rolled through the front yard with phantom horses. Very sleepy hollow. Now I see why you said that. Yes. And then there's also a, a whole cast of women. There is a mourning lady that has had three different versions. There's Arabella Waldgrave. She's a daughter, supposedly, of a lord, an English nun who had a weakness for a monk, but I'll get into the specific story a little bit later, and a French nun named Marie Lair, whose story I'll also get into a little bit later. But like, that is like three different identities for this morning apparition of a lady. Oh, I see. So I, or it's like, some people are like, this one lady could be these three pe- these three people, or there's like all three of them. It's kind of unclear of like how many apparitions people are actually seeing, or if mm-hmm. they're seeing all they're all seeing the same apparition, and they're attributing these women to that apparition. If you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the first paranormal events apparently occurred in around 1863. A few locals remembered having heard unexplained footsteps within the house at that time and the first person to live at the rectory was a guy by the last name of bull henry bull he was reverend and him and his family moved in there um i i I don't know what denomination i'm i'm always like assuming catholic but i don't think i don't don't know but he had a, a family um and Catholic priest can't have families. So, and he was a reverend. So I'm assuming it was a different denomination. And his daughters are the ones that saw, first saw the ghost of a nun about 40 yards from the house. They said that they tried to talk to it, but it disappeared as they got closer. And uh, reportedly a local organist named by the, by the name of Ernest Ambrose said the Bull family were very convinced they had seen an apparition on several occasions of this nun. According to local folklore, one of the versions is a nun from a nearby nunnery fell in love with a monk from the monastery. How romantic. Just classic story. You know, it's as if the nurse and the monk from Romeo and Juliet got together instead of Romeo and Juliet. That's the play we want to see. I had absolutely no idea where you were going with that. <laughs> it all tied <laughs> but together. But it wasn't that direction. <laughs> well, it's, it, I mean, it ends similarly tragically because the pair attempted to elope and they were found out and they were sentenced to death. The monk was reportedly to have been sent to the gallows in the monastery where the, while the nun was sealed into the walls of the nunnery alive doesn't seem like a very that's not it doesn't seem very godly i don't know uh... i mean well mm. <laughs> uh well yeah you know but yeah. still mm. <laughs> just seems a little bit harsh for a punishment of a nun and a monk i feel like that is a little harsh i'm yeah. not gonna say that it's like not godly because there's some pretty brutal punishments in the name of god but like that's true <laughs> to punish a nun by closing her into the wall that seems a little little rough. This is Edgar Allan Poe kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) But the nun is believed to be the one that's being seen on the Borley Rectory grounds looking for her monk in hopes of running away together. I don't know where the nunnery is in conjunction of the Borley Rectory and why people think she would be on the grounds to haunt it. I'm assuming they, they 
all share like a close space, but I'm not really sure. That was never really explained. The story of the phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen also became a running thing when Reverend Harry Bull lived there. And then it didn't stop when his son took over the parish. Mm -hmm. Uh, They repeatedly saw the nun. They repeatedly saw the coach and the horsemen without their heads, very sleepy hollow. Maybe we're just taking. Yeah. When was that written? I don't know. We, I, I mean, we, we went should over remember. it. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> if you go back to the Sleepy Hollow episode, comment and let us know mm. when it was written. Because the I legend, like... I just did a quick Google. The legend of Sleepy Hollow was written in 1820. Oh, so maybe they're stealing it from Sleepy Hollow. Interesting. Washington Irving's like, I have my eye on you. Yeah. Don't plagiarize my shit. No. Um. <laughs> But then after Harry Bull Jr.'s death, I'm assuming, uh, Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the house. Soon after moving in, his wife was cleaning out a cupboard and reportedly came across a brown paper package containing the skull of a young woman. That's not the type of brown paper packages tied tied up with string that are my favorite things. No, no. That's something out of Panic at the Disco honestly that's their version um if you know you know if you're not if you don't then you're not a panic at the disco fan i can't explain it to you so but i remember this being mentioned in the book but i don't remember like anything coming of it like it was just like holy shit there's a skull it's not like they were like oh let's take it to forensics because i don't really think that they had that then and it's just like what do we do with this and I think that she just ended up giving it to her husband and he put it in the library. Like what do you, what do you, of it accordingly. What do, you do with that? <laughs> I don't know. Shortly after that though, the family reported a variety of incidences, including the sound of servant bells ringing, despite those being disconnected lights appearing in the windows, unexplained footsteps. And then Smith's wife believes that she had seen the horse-drawn carriage without I didn't mention if she saw them with the headless horsemen or if she just saw the phantom horses, but she did reportedly see that multiple times at night, mm. which where are they going? What's going on? They're very busy. They're very busy. They're shuffling back and forth. I guess maybe that maybe they're spiriting the dead into a portal. Maybe they're waiting for the... Go ahead. <laughs> they're waiting for the nun and the monk to do their they're runaway and they're like where oh, are yeah. these people right you called for your horse-drawn uber like uh, eons ago i'm leaving you a bad review on the app sorry right. emily dickinson will get in <laughs> the smiths are the ones that actually contacted the daily mirror about what they were experiencing and they got in touch with the society for psychical research I have to take that slow because I will mess it up. And that's when Harry Price, paranormal research extraordinaire, jumped on it, basically. Like white on rice. Yes. He, you know, came to the place to do an investigation. And supposedly all this phenomena started happening in earnest, like throwing stones at people. And furniture, like a vase and other objects were being now thrown around where that wasn't happening before. And then spirit messages were tapped out from like the frame of a mirror. Just things popped off when he got there. He would say like he would hear voices. I remember in the book, she was just like, you know, he came in and basically it was like his presence made all the activity flare up Mm. which uh, is that you (laughs) are you the drama are you the phantom i don't know because even though uh reverend eric smith and his wife you know had experienced these things and they were like reaching out for help and they were believers i do think that smith's wife was a little bit skeptical of price like she was like you know I don't know if she was skeptical like he was faking it or maybe she was just like skeptical and pissed off because like 
he's coming in to investigate and like making all this stuff worse. Yeah. <laughs> instead of better. Like my bases were intact before you got here and now they're in pieces. Right. I keep getting stones thrown at me when I was usually just seeing these beautiful phantom horses pulling a carriage. It literally says in the Bible not to throw stones. Right. Exactly. Did they listen? No. They sealed a nun in the wall instead. Maybe it's the nun. (laughs) She's trying to get your attention. Let me out. My horses are waiting on me. (laughs) Chisel me out of this wall. But then eventually the Smiths left and Reverend Lionel Foister is the one that came in afterwards, I think. And his wife, Mary Ann, and their daughter, Adelaide. Love that name. Love that name. I don't really like that movie with Blake Lively in it, though. Oh, you don't? No. I think it's because I really didn't like Benjamin Button either, and it gives me Benjamin Button vibes. I was about to say, it's pretty reminiscent of Benjamin Button. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy Benjamin Button. I didn't Maybe like the should... backward aging baby that like really, that really, <laughs> really got to me. It's right up there with like the like weird Renesme puppet baby in Twilight. She's really fucking weird looking and the same it's like the same vibe. I don't like it. I've trauma blocked that entire series <laughs> out of my brain. I'll show you a picture later. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, now we don't know where to go from here. <laughs> I know. Adelaide, I'm sure you didn't look like that. They wrote about a whole bunch of various strange incidences. Again, they also heard the bell ringing, but then also things were um, getting more like aggressive. Windows started to shatter. There were throwing stones and bottles, locking Adelaide in a room with no key. Like the the daughter was like locked into a room, like couldn't get out, um, which is like my worst nightmare for haunting. I hate that when people, it's like you like go to the door and it's like, they oh, it won't open. Like, Holy, like I'm automatically claustrophobic. Like it could be a huge room. <laughs> no, if I can't get out, I have a moment. Yes, exactly. Um, and then wall writing. And then Marianne specifically reported a whole bunch of stuff, including being thrown from her bed. And I think I recall this too in the book where her husband was at the base of the stairs. And he was hearing like these awful sounds from upstairs in the bedroom. It was not a fair. It was not that kind of sounds. But it was like, you know, Marianne calling for help. And he heard like a thud. And then she was like, she she had been thrown from the bed. The drama. The drama, honestly. (laughs) And then I was thinking to myself, what if she like fell out of bed and she was like really embarrassed? And she's like, the ghosts. (laughs) The ghosts that got me. Just like Zach Bagans. When those right. wires get wrapped around his leg, obviously. Oh it's one of my favorite moments is when he gets, tri- when he falls down over his own feet and he says the ghost trips him. It's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing. We just <laughs> need to use that from now on. I didn't fall a ghost push me. I know. I want that as like a, just like a, a reaction clip. I can just watch whenever I'm feeling down. <laughs> kind of like a gif. Like you want to, yeah. I'll see what About I can like, do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to get that ready for you before you go into labor so that when your labor pains get really bad, just like, send just, it to you. It's just the ghosts. I'm having my own exorcism <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> On one occasion, too, Adelaide also was reportedly attacked by something horrible, although I didn't get an explanation of exa- exactly what that was. The thing? Yes, the thing. It, uh, I can't remember what the the leap castle people called it i think it was the thing wasn't it i know but there was something no else it was a, the elemental yes the elemental something like that i'm sure similar the foisters apparently conducted two exorcisms but they did not work and in the middle of the first exorcism reportedly he was struck in the shoulder by a fist-sized stone the demon was like hey stop <laughs> Stop it. Just before I seal you into the wall, too. That's a Look big out room. That is a big rock. A big, uh, well, like, and I have tiny it, hands. That's what I'm saying. It's like a fist-sized stone. Fist size of a man. Fist size of a child. Fist size of you, me. I mean, it's still pretty big, but still. You know, honestly, even if it was a stone the size of like a baby fist, I still wouldn't want it thrown at me. Right. I mean, again, just don't throw stones. It's so rude just so so, like you know bc and i guess like 
that's like the MO of the spirits in this place. I don't think it's the nun though. It has to be something else because it has to be something else. I just don't think the nun is going to be throwing stones. She just wants to get to her love, but keys shot out of their keyholes. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I want this to be locked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just like, like projectiles. That's what it's reported. Just, this is just the most dramatic. Like, you go into, like, go into your house and you like put the key in the in the lock and just like just rejects you oh no. my god that would be the i get so upset when i can't even manage to get it in on my own yeah to have like an external force fighting against me too i probably <laughs> just leave right. like you know what i, I don't even want to get in that bad anyway <laughs> i'm just gonna go down to the pub and just wait until you're in a better mood to let me into my own house <laughs> that's what i'm doing candlesticks were hurled through the air wrappings and tappings from all sides of the rectory and i think that harry price came back when the foister family was living at borley and he was quoted saying it was a day to be remembered even by an experienced investigator 16 hours of thrills how many vases were broken in the process of this thrill (laughs) did marianne have to get insurance on her heirlooms after you were there the foister family attributes the spirit hauntings to be intelligent because of the otherworldly messages that were supposedly being written on the walls and i will say during kind of this sort of time with spiritualism like automatic writing and like ghost writing was super popular like automatic writing was popular for people to do Mm -hmm. mediums and stuff but like also like you knew you had a real haunting when like ghostly messages appeared on the walls. So that was my one of my favorite shows from the 90s though. Just gonna say Ghost Rider, the best. Yes. Mine was Ghost Whisperer, but that's different. <laughs> that has nothing show. to do with a notebook. That's that's a different show. But then the Foisters left. And then it was vacant for a really long time. And I think that Price briefly stayed there like as a rental and he brought a whole bunch of his friends with him to investigate more it's a party it's a phantom party and that's where we get this second version of the nun apparition Mm. because it was a woman by the name of helen glanville who was one of the daughter of one of price's fellow investigators she conducted a seance and we all know not to do that in real life. Don't do that now. One of my language arts teachers really scared me about seances because she like described like in her 20s doing a seance and like looking in a mirror afterwards. And it was just like terrifying to her. So <laughs> I'm kind of just like scarred. Don't do it. That. Don't do it. She reportedly made contact with two spirits. And one of them was a young nun who identified herself as Marie Lair. She was a French nun who left her religious order and traveled to England to marry a member of the Waldegrave family, which was like set in the Borley Rectory area at that time. She has been said to have been murdered in an older building on the site of Borley Rectory, and her body was either buried in the cellar or thrown into a well. And some of the wall writings were allegedly her pleas for help, including when Marianne lived there, she reported one that said, Marianne, please help me get out. That's very direct. Very direct, very spooky. I would, I would get out kind of be like fuck you i'm i'm leaving (laughs) if you wanted out so badly why were you shooting my keys across the room right i was trying to unlock the doors and you you were trying to keep me in uh there was also a second spirit that they contacted that was named sunix amirs don't quote me on that pronunciation and the spirit claimed that he would set fire to borley rectory and that at that time the bones of a murdered person would be revealed Mm. Whether that is Marie or not, I'm not sure. Shortly after 
a woman by just the name Miss Williams from Borley Lodge saw a figure of the ghostly nun running upstairs like through a window during a fire at the Borley Rectory. Shortly after that, supposedly Harry Price did a dig in the cellars of Borley Rectory and found the bones to be of a young woman. So the prophecy, quote unquote, came true. Mm. So the spirit set fire to the Borley Rectory or was this a self-fulfilling prophecy by one of maybe Price's friends? Friends? I don't know. And while he was staying there, Price also reported to have gotten in touch with the spirit of original tenant Reverend Harry Bull, which why would he, if he's a godly man. He should be at peace, but so should the nuns that are walking around too, right? Yeah, Yeah, true. Although the monk has never been mentioned as like an apparition, so maybe he did come to peace and he wasn't buried in a stone wall. True. And then I saw also with with the French nun Marie, the way that she was murdered was that she was strangled, supposedly, before she was either buried in the cellar or dumped down a well. Although I think that Harry Price probably believes from those bones that he found that she was buried in the cellar. Mm. So those are all the ghost stories of Borley Rectory. That's a bundle. It is a bundle. It's a lot of historical, like goings on of like just longevity of of hauntings i think it, it goes on for a long time mm-hmm. i don't know if you're gonna find a marie lair or if you're gonna find um anybody connected <laughs> to the Borley rectory that might be haunting it i can tell you about this place and its bundles when we get back perfect we'll be right back Hello, ghosty fam. Have you heard our podcast, The Activity Continues, yet? I'm Amy, and I host the show with my friend and fellow fan of the paranormal, Megan. Hi, everyone. Our show is a recap of the TV show, The Dead Files, which airs on the Travel Channel. Every week, we each pick an episode of The Dead Files and recap it for you. And sometimes we even dig a little into the history of the crimes that led to the paranormal activity. We also talk about our own paranormal experiences and would love to talk about yours as well. So if you want to share your stories, email us at theactivitycontinues at gmail.com. So grab a stogie, hop in the caddy, and join us for The Activity Continues. Nailed it. It was a silent one. You just looked like you were screaming out of excitement. So excited to learn everything about the Borley Rectory. Well... My sources are Wikipedia. Perfect. Doesn't let us down. So, Borley Rectory was constructed in 1862 in the village of Borley for the Church of Borley. Everything's coming up Borley. Mm -hmm. It was built by Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull, and the house actually replaced an earlier rectory that had been destroyed in a fire in 1841. Hmm. Okay. Fires are a problem. Fires always in the 1800s. There's <laughs> always going to be a bad fire or five. Yes. So the new house was eventually enlarged by a wing to accommodate the family's 14 children. Jeez. And I thought the same thing. I was like, well, clearly this guy isn't a Catholic priest. Yeah. So I looked up the church. It just says that the church is a parish church in the ecclesiastical parish of Borley and Liston, and it's part of the Church of England, right. which, as we know, was Catholic at one point, and then it wasn't. Yes, because we can't divorce our wives willy-nilly. So we have to kill them. <laughs> so we have to kill them and make our own church. <laughs> it makes sense. So now we know. Oh, to be king. Yes. So the monastery that you were talking about, legend has it that it is a Benedictine monastery, and it was supposedly built around the area in about 1362. Gotcha. Just to reiterate what you said, the monk from the monastery nearby conducted a relationship with a nun from a nearby convent. 
After the affair was discovered, the monk was executed, and the nun was reportedly bricked up alive in the convict wall. It was confirmed in 1938 that this legend had no historical bias basis and could have been fabricated by the children of the reverend to romanticize the rectory. There's uh-huh. speculation that the story of the walling up of the nun may have come from Ryder Haggard's novel Montezuma's Daughter, which was written in 1893, or Walter Scott's epic poem Marmion. Mm. in 1808 i have not read either so i can't tell you but that was confirmed debunked well still even if the kids made it up it's like a really wild imagination they have Mm -hmm. just ran with it right into the wall (laughs) right up into that (laughs) sealed wall sealed it up for so we can talk about it now yeah just carries on so reverend bolt died in 1892 and his son, the Reverend Henry Harry Boyster Bowl, took over the parish. When Harry Bull died in June of 1927, Borley stayed vacant for a little over a year until October of 1928, when the Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the house. Gotcha. Apparently, After experiencing some strange happenings, like you said, they did what anyone would do, and they contacted the local newspaper. Yeah, I mean, might as well get the news out there. What are you going to do, move? This is his whole life. This is his whole job. Like, (laughs) So the newspaper got in touch with the Society for Psychical Research. This brought Harry Price into the picture, and we now all know how that turned out. Yes. The Smiths left Borley in July of 1929, so they didn't stay for very long. Yeah, that's a short time. Mm -hmm. Like, not even a year. And apparently the parish had some difficulty in finding a replacement. Well, I feel like, yeah, once you contact the Daily Mirror and, like, say this place is haunted, like, nobody's going to, like, what was it? When we did that lighthouse in Maryland... It was like everybody was kind of like reporting things. Mm, and it was mm-hmm. like getting harder and harder to find lighthouse keepers. It's like once you get a story like that, it's kind of people don't want to volunteer for this position. On October or in October of 1930, the Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister, who was a first cousin of the Bulls and his wife, Marianne, moved. Oh, wow. She lived until 1992. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just like just after we were born. That's wild. 1899 to 1992. That's crazy. She had to see two separate centuries. Well, barely both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they moved into the house with their adopted daughter, Adelaide, and they too were experiencing some oddities and continued to report them to the Daily Mirror. So because of the coverage of the case by the Daily Mirror, these incidents attracted the attention of several paranormal researchers, aside from Mr. Price, who, after investigation, were unanimous in suspecting that they were caused consciously or unconsciously by Marianne. Oh, so she was like the one that was doing things. Marianne herself said, Later, that she felt that some of the incidents were caused by her husband in concert with one of the psychic researchers, and other events appeared to her to be genuine paranormal phenomena. But then, okay, there's a scandal. <gasps> we love a good scandal. Marianne later admitted that she was having a sexual relationship with a lodger named Frank Perlis. And that she used paranormal explanations to cover up her liaisons. Oh my gosh. <gasps> Wait, she's the one that got yeah, yeah. the bed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe it was something sexual. I, you said not sexual. And I was like, mm. oh, baby. <laughs> oh, Marianne. Come on now. You're supposed to be the innocent one on Gilligan's Island. I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> The Forrester family left Borley in October of 1935 as a result of Lionel Forrester's ill health. Mm. And Borley remained vacant for some time after that. In May 1937, Mr. Price took out a year-long rental agreement with Queen Anne's Bounty, who were the owners of the property. Hey. Through an advertisement printed in The Times on May 25th, 1937, and following personal interviews, he 
recruited a group of 48, quote, official observers who were mostly students. Mm, Students that are just looking to have something exciting happen to them. Mm -hmm. They spent periods, mainly during weekends, at the house with instructions to report any phenomena that occurred. There was a seance, like you said, that occurred, which a spirit claimed he would set fire to the rectory on March 27th, 1938. Did that happen? On February February 27th, 1939. Oh. The new owner, Captain W.H. Gregson, was unpacking boxes when he knocked over an oil lamp and set the house on fire. Oh. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Maybe he was possessed. Maybe he just was really sick of unpacking. Or clumsy. (laughs) So after an investigation, the insurance company concluded that the fire was set intentionally. Those bitches. (laughs) Come on now. He's just clumsy. (laughs) And the fire did cause significant damage. You can see a picture of it. I don't know if you have the wiki page pulled up right now, but it's like towards the middle Oh, yeah. Sad. Kind of looks like a Barnsley Gardens-esque. It does. Really does. Lots of fireplaces. It had 11 bedrooms. Thing was huge. Swanky. 75,000 or 7,500 square feet. It's not bad. So anyway, it caught on fire kind of close. March 27th, 1938. February 27th, 1939. Okay. He just didn't have a body to possess to do it yet. So he was a little bit late. In August of 1943, Price conducted a brief dig in the cellars of the house, which was at that point in ruins, and discovered two bones thought to be of a young woman. Okay. Like I said. The bones were given a Christian burial in Liston Churchyard after the parish of Borley refused to allow the ceremony to take place on account of the local opinion that the bones found belonged to a pig. (laughs) <laughs> but how do they know somebody like... pull up <laughs> pig bones versus women bones i don't want to see that I <laughs> that's why i said somebody else somebody else pull them up and then describe the differences to us i just feel like a villager would know the difference especially in the 1940s true true but there's more so after price's death in 1948 daily mail reporter Charles Sutton accused him of faking the phenomena. Sutton claimed that whilst visiting Borley Rectory with Price in 1929, he was hit on the head with a large pebble. Yeah, because of ghosts. Sutton stated that he seized Price and found his coat pockets filled with different sized stones. (laughs) (laughs) He was just weighing himself down in case a ghost tried to pick him up. I was about to say, are you just assuming that he is a man of short stature? No, he was just, you know, afraid that the ghosts were going to pick him up next. They've been throwing vases and candlesticks and rocks. That's oh, funny. <laughs> I can just imagine you're walking along and it's like, oh my God, something hit you? Oh, something, somebody's throwing things. <laughs> <laughs> Look over there. It just throws. <laughs> you're not looking oh all right so in 1948 eric dingwall km goldney and trevor h hall three members of the spr two of whom had been price's most loyal associates investigated his claims about borley rectory their findings were published in a 1956 book the haunting of borley rectory which concluded that price had fraudulently produced some of the phenomena Oh, God, betrayed by your own. The Borley Report, as the SBR study has become known, stated that many of the phenomena were either faked or due to natural causes, such as rats, and the strange acoustics attributed to the odd shape of the house. In their conclusion, the three authors wrote, quote, When analyzed, the evidence for haunting and poltergeist activity for each and every period appears to diminish in force and finally to vanish away. Terrence Hines wrote that, quote, Mrs. Marianne Forrester, wife of Reverend Lionel Forrester, Forrester, Foister, mm-hmm. too many R's, Foister, who lived at the rectory from 1930 to 1935, was actively engaged in fraudulently creative, creating haunted phenomena. 
Price himself, quote, salted the mine and faked several phenomena while he was at the rectory, end quote. Mm. Marianne Foister later admitted she had seen no apparitions and that the alleged ghostly noises were caused by the wind. Her having an affair. (laughs) Friends she invited to the house and in other cases by herself playing practical jokes on her husband or having an affair. (laughs) Many of the legends about Borley Rectory had also been invented. The children of Reverend Harry Bull, who lived in the house before Lionel Foister, claimed to have seen nothing and were surprised they had been living in what was described as England's most haunted house. They just had like their imaginary games and in life they're like, oh, people took that seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Who's been reading my journal? (laughs) That was my diary. Those were just a series of short stories. Did you publish those? Those were great. (laughs) Robert Hastings was one of the few SPR researchers to defend Price. Price's literary executor, Paul Tabori, and SPR researcher, Peter Underwood, have also defended Price against accusations of fraud. A similar approach was made by Ivan Banks in 1996. Michael Coleman, an SPR report in 1997, wrote that Price's defenders were unable to rebuke the criticisms convincingly. So he was like, guys, nobody believes this. Sit down. Yeah, we know that you guys were friends, but come on. So alternately, did you know that the church was haunted? I did not know that the church was haunted. The church, this is also on the wiki page, is claimed to be haunted, although with much less activity than the rectory. Alleged paranormal activity includes phantom organ music, ghostly chanting, and the ghost of a nun moving about the churchyard. So many nuns. Ghost stories from the church and the rectory are frequently connected to the supposed Benedictine monastery in the area that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And paranormal investigator Ed Warren claims to have accidentally taken a picture of the ghost monk. But will we see it? No. Leafing through a book in the church. Let me copy and paste that and see if I can find the picture. You'll, you'll never be able to. Ed Warren took all of his pictures to the grave, like literally, like put them all in his casket and just <laughs> buried them. Oh, fuck. I knew that was going to happen. I was like, I'm going to put this in and it's just going to be a picture of the nun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is coming out soon. <laughs> his picture is not on the internet, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, that I mean, does that surprise anybody? No, the Warrens are so famous for being like, I have a picture. Where? Uh, you can't see it. It's a picture in my mind. <laughs> so it's a secret. It's a secret picture. That's all I have. Well, good job. I think that this place is so interesting. I think I also think that the SPR is like super interesting too, mm-hmm. because one of Harry Price's the SPR and the Ghost Club, one of Harry Price's like naysayers, like skeptics, is like none other than Charles Dickens. <laughs> like, Charles Dickens was like, you guys, like the SPR, like he was part of the Ghost Club, Charles Dickens. And they like were trying to like be more like skeptical and more like, more like a careful approach, like level headed about it. Yes. And so like they hated the SPR, most of them. <laughs> and like it was very clear that Charles Dickens did like not fuck with harry price or like similar investigations <laughs> that's so funny and also like you would never plug those two together right well then also the spr which is you know like they, they uh investigated a lot of people who were doing spiritual acts spiritualism acts around the uk and stuff but some members were arthur conan doyle who we all know is the creator of sherlock holmes and W.B. Yeats, if you don't know who that is, he's like one of the most influential Irish poets, um, in my opinion, for like modern poetry. Um, and he, like Yeats, joined the SPR and Arthur Conan Doyle joined the SPR because Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle's wife was really like she did a lot of automatic writing. So, like, all of these writers got together for a writer's corner and ended up talking to ghosts, is what you're saying. Basically, like, there's a lot of writers and a lot of, like, more creative people that I think that were, like, looking for, like, some sort of otherworldly magic 
to, to in spiritualism at that time and they joined the SPR to kind of like express themselves in that way so I thought that was super interesting mm-hmm. yeah for sure with uh Kate Winkler Dawson's book the ghost club like the Borley Rectory like was like kind of like the the story she kept coming back to but she expanded on all these things and I thought that was like the most interesting part was like the SPR was supposedly trying to Harry Price and then the other people that were against Harry Price were both kind of like trying to figure out Borley Rectory but then you had all these side characters of these really like famous people yeah who were connected to it as well I just think that that's very cool it's like the modern day Illuminati kind of (laughs) (laughs) the literary Illuminati of ghosts so is this place haunted no no are they pebbles and pockets just pebbles and pockets and kids with overactive imaginations I think however I think the ghost stories are pretty cool absolutely I think it's great that Harry Price is literally the OG Zach Bagans. Like, history repeats itself over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's so very clear. You think Zach Bagans has pebbles in his pockets? Oh, for sure. He has pebbles in his pockets. He has wires around his feet. He's got the makings of a country song right there. Yeah, honestly. I got pebbles in my pockets. He's wires got a little... on my feet. <laughs> He's got a little fan. They holds up to Aaron's neck sometimes. <laughs> Poor Aaron. He'd fall for it every time. I mean, he does. So, <laughs> you know, he's just, you know, he's just our modern time Harry Price. Well, it was super interesting. I thought it was too. Good just find. a fun thing, little thing. And I highly recommend the book. Again, like it's just, it was super, super interesting. I'll read it eventually. Or listen, listen to it. I think it actually it. is in my audiobook library. Yeah. Listening to it is really easy. If you listen to Kate Winkler Dawson's uh, Tenfold More Wicked, her historical true crime podcast, it literally it, it sounds like a very long version of that. Mm-hmm. It's only like three hours. Not bad at all. No, no. I thought it was a, a good listen. She, I enjoy her podcast and I enjoy... Her voice, I think that like some people don't enjoy her voice, but um, she reminds me of that woman on Deadly Women. <laughs> you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, on ID? Yeah. The one that's always got the short, short hair and she's always the one that like is like giving like the history or the background of the person. I gotta be honest, when those shows come on, I'm rarely watching the TV. Yes, yeah, so you're having in the background or you fall asleep to it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me too, but... <laughs> But this woman's, I know that people will know who I'm talking about and her, her cadence and the way that she talks is similar to Kate Mm. Wickler Dawson. And I've always liked the way that she talks because I fell asleep to it. So. And relate. But yeah. So fun stuff. Next time uh, we're going to Australia. Oh, that is where this is. I was looking at this. I was like, is this the one? It is. Yes. So we're going to keep on going. And go to Australia. It's the first Australian one. Yes. And I think it's the first uh, venue of mm-hmm. hauntings that we've done. Nice save. Of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not to give too much away. But it's completely new for all the way around. And hopefully it has some things that are actually haunted. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. What is your sage moment? I finished my first week of school. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And now it's over. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like that's a good sage moment for this week. I really like, honestly, this week has been such a whirlwind. I feel like we just recorded not too long ago. I know. Like, it's just, it's been such a cluster of a week, and I still have not unpacked. Still, that's okay because sometimes I don't unpack for months and months and months. Like for Christmas, when we went to work for Christmas, I didn't unpack until May. So <laughs> you're doing better than me still. The stuff in the suitcase is out and I did a load of laundry today, but like my vacuum packed clothes from like the the big move, mm-hmm. they're still sitting on the floor in my master bedroom. Like that's how crazy the week has been. And I keep looking at them every time I wake up and every time I go to bed, because that's the only time I go in my bedroom at this point. And I'm like, I'm coming for you. 
eventually sometime <laughs> eventually yeah that's it pretty boring just happy i survived the week some sometimes that's all we can do for a sage moment is just mm-hmm. happy we survived the week mm-hmm. what is your sage moment hopefully a little lighter um my sage moment is gosh i found out this is gonna be such a stupid sage moment um I found out that both The Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise start on September 28th, which means I will have two trash reality things to watch on my maternity leave, <laughs> which just brings me joy. Just that's, about to say, that's exciting for you. Honestly, I'm excited about The Golden Bachelor. He seems like a real genuine guy. He's actually old. Er. He's like in his seventies, which I really thought that they were going to do like a golden bachelor and then cop out and have somebody who was like, not actually older, like have somebody who was like 45, 50, but, but is he like Hugh Hefner seventies or is he like George Clooney seventies? He's George Clooney seventies. He's like, he's, he takes care, he takes care of himself, but he's not like supermodel seventies, but he's like, he takes care of himself. I think. Okay. So it's actually, I'm actually looking forward to that, to seeing how that actually goes and what kind of breath of fresh air it brings into the Bachelor franchise. And then, of course, Bachelor in Paradise is just a smorgasbord of messiness. Is it the same time on the same day or is it just like it's going to be a marathon? There's going to be one after the other. How fantastic for you. I know. I can just sit there and feed my kid and watch trash tv that's all i want in my life (laughs) you said september 28th september 28th so it'll be before my due date but like it'll be going on for about it'll be going on for about eight to ten weeks so how fantastic i'll have something to look forward to because i'm i'm running out of things to watch at least there's that yes there's always tv but in this podcast yeah in this podcast there's always this podcast like it will be next week yes we'll see you next tuesday Bye. Bye. Where the fuck is my mouse? (laughs) Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.